Hey, what's going on? Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. I'm here with Marina Hansen today. How you doing, Marina? Hey, I'm doing well. I think it's pretty cool. We're back in the studio again. Yeah, it's cool. I love the new setup in here. I dig uh, putting it together. And yeah, I'm glad that we uh, we put a little time into it and uh, kind of set it up again. And I'm hoping that we do a bunch of it. It'll be fun. Yeah, I'm and really excited about it. It's really cool. So Marina and I are photographers. We're based in the Northwest. We shoot a lot of landscape photos and uh, we try and, and put together a bunch of different creative projects when we can. We do a lot with internet and uh, content marketing and branding stuff. And uh, we're trying to put our hands in as many different places as we can right now. But, uh, but for a while, yeah, we're going to try and do a bunch of podcasting stuff. I've been doing podcasting with you for a long time and um, yeah, it's going to be fun to, to kind of get back into doing stuff here in the home studio. I'll probably still do a bit in my truck, do some little updates. Hey, it's Billy. Um, so we'll, we'll try and still do a few of those, but, uh, but I think this is going to be way better. It's going to be way cooler to kind of build it out a little bit. Yeah. I think it'll be really cool. Have both the setups do your truck studio and home Mm -hmm. studio. Yeah. I'm trying to do more content overall. Yeah. Like I'm trying to put out more stuff. I want, I want more video stuff. I want more audio stuff. I really want to push audio stuff. Like primarily that's like what I want to try and grow some skill in. Me too. Definitely. Audio and video. I really want to grow a lot. Yeah. next year yeah we're gonna do a good job at that too and i think uh, i think we're well set for it too you know I, I i think like we talked about before in the past like the first podcast i did was about 10 years ago now yeah Can you believe that uh man if You're only i've been possible old timer podcaster but yeah it was the first uh podcast at oregon state university on the uh the, the kbvr radio channel and it was really bad. <laughs> it's such a silly podcast. So uh, it's fun. Uh, it's fun kind of doing that 10 years later. Yeah. And still seeing it like grow and grow and grow. And I remember like when I went in to tell them like, hey, I want to do a podcast here at KBVR. And they're like, huh? What's that? Why? <laughs> what is that? Is that like a good idea? Or And like they were, they were really condescending about it. And then they told me like I couldn't say stuff. It was really strange. Like I couldn't read news on a podcast. Um, Why not? It was a copyrighted, was their consideration, which is not oh. true. Yeah, I don't think it works like that, really. Yeah. That's silly. Uh, yeah, like, you hear people, like, just cite clips all the time. Yeah, like, you just reference it. Yeah, it was very, it was a very silly school. But their their thinking was that they didn't have the rights to those copywritten stories mm-hmm. of news, which are just newsworthy, which means they're reportable. Right. So like anyway, it was always a goofy thing with those guys. They always like had uh, had some some silly reason, Corvallis thinking. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It was like, oh, well, Definitely. we'd we'd rather just not do this. There's always a lot of it. So yeah, ten years ago, that was uh, the fight of doing podcasting stuff. It was fun. I did like uh, a bunch of those for a year and a half. I got some credits and stuff for them. That's really cool. It's cool. You're <laughs> so on top of it, doing so much. So um, so now for this photo podcast, I want to do like a more more personal stuff. This one, I want to do more personal stuff about like the photos that we're working on and editing and stuff, the little projects that we're doing, the places we've been kind of like a journal about stuff that we've been doing. And I want to talk about like the marketing stuff we're working on and just sort of like the changing projects that we, we go about with. Yeah. It's fun. And then, but then I want to try and do some more podcasts or I want to, you know, I want to try and like break it out a little bit and do some other stuff about um, just about other things in the industry, which would be cool. We'll, we'll talk about it more probably another podcast in the future, <laughs> but it'll be cool. Um, so we've made like a big switch over the summer. And like I've been talking about on the podcast um, over to like the Sony lineup, which has worked out, I think pretty well for us. 
I think it's been cool, like using the Sony camera systems for uh, a couple months now. Yeah, I've really liked it. It's been cool having a completely different camera yeah. setup. Yeah, see, we were working with Nikon for the longest time. Like, it was probably about 10 years ago also that I bought my first Nikon camera. And uh, that was like a D40. Before that, I had used a couple others. But uh, but yeah, that was like the first DSLR system that I got to get into digital photography. And that was about 10 years ago. And so I was with Nikon kind of building a system in Nikon for a really long time. You know, nearly that whole 10-year period. And it really didn't didn't blossom into a ton of stuff. So I, I thought, yeah, I'm going to sell all of this. I'm going to try and go with a different system for a little while. And I think the Sony stuff has paid off pretty well. There's definitely some stuff that fits what we do in photography really nicely. Absolutely. I think that, yeah, I think that the Sony cameras are really, really good for like outdoor landscape yeah. and all that adventure photography that people are so into, that yeah. we're so into. Yeah. I love doing the, uh, the outdoor adventure tourism photography stuff and, and like the low light stuff. Yeah. Really the, the low light, all of the, nighttime photography options are, yeah. it's really amazing yeah there's so many great options or just abilities that you can have with the with high iso sensors now and like on the sony line there's just a lot you can do really cool stuff that you can shoot there's stuff you can never have done before like um like the whole like chris picard documentary or film that he put out about oh, uh, right with the, yeah, photographing the... like surfers in the auroras yeah. At night. Yeah. You just could never have captured that before, but it's really one of the first times. And it's, it's right on the cusp of, of that point in history where we have sensors that are, that are capable of capturing that kind of low light stuff in real time, like yeah. capturing that many frames to, to get video at night like that, but also capture those real colors. So it's cool to get stuff that's kind of close to what the, the human eye can do. Yeah. It's really cool. It's, it's really amazing shooting with it and seeing that really, yeah, like you just said, it's, it's capturing really just what you are able to see yeah. in your eyes. Yeah, that's a really fun part about it. And then that's also what's so cool about being like our age and being photographers is we're going to get to kind of grow into some of this technology as it really starts to mature over the next like decade and two decades. It's really going to advance a lot where we get into uh, way more capable sensors. I mean, you know, now if we're just getting to this point where we think like, oh, wow, it's starting to look like what an eye can do. Like imagine 10 years now into the future where we get wide dynamic range photos or, you know, like things that have like uh, like just way more capabilities or way more information than the files we get now. We get like 3D um, maps that are like 360 degree. You know, we're going to have like, we're going to be shooting holograms someday. Yeah, That'd no kidding. It'll be cool if it happens. I don't know. But it's fun that, yeah, working with the Sony stuff and uh, kind of transitioning into something that's a bit more of a modern camera system. For like a long time in the last couple of years, we were shooting with a, a Nikon D3 system. And which was great. And that was kind of the first, uh, the first time that we were working with full frame cameras, um, right. which was a big upgrade too. I mean, you know, so the film work that we did for a long time, yeah, working with full frame digital was, was a big upgrade. And then now working with, uh, with video, which is a silly thing to talk about. It sounds like 2009, but I'm really <laughs> excited. Yeah. Having, a, having a, a DSLR or now not a DSLR since it's not single lens reflex. These mirrorless ones are interchangeable lens cameras. Right. <laughs> I saw that it was written as that in some articles yeah. that I read. Yeah. I was like, what? An interchangeable is that lens what camera. That? Yeah. I yeah. It's, so. it's kind of strange, but, uh, but yeah, I've liked, uh, I've liked shooting with it and, and kind of changing over to that. Yeah. It's really cool. Cause it's kind of our camera setup before was like you said, it was the, the D3, the Nikon D3, yeah. um, but that doesn't do video. No video. Those are our full frame camera. And then the camera that we had for video stuff, 
was my Nikon D7000, which yeah. is not full frame. Yeah, the crop sensor. But it was yeah. cool, though, like working with it and trying to It was to put, great. Like, I loved things. that yeah. camera. We I got a lot of it, really yeah. wonderful video with it. Yeah. But it's so cool having a full frame camera that does really nice video. Yeah. Really amazing low light video. Yeah, it, it really does a lot. You know, I know that the A7S is like the the model that, that's supposed to be like the hot one for video. Right, yeah. Um, I think it has like a, I think it has a different kind of sensor in it. It's like a way lower megapixel sensor. And I think it's supposed to be able to capture uh, some kind of higher quality file type. Like I think it's S-Log is what I've heard before. It's, you know how we were shooting like the ABCHD right. or MP4s. I think there's this other one called S-Log. It's sort of like, it's closer to a raw file or it's supposed to be oh, like closer okay. to like a, a higher end file that you would get out of a cinema camera sort of thing you know something like that because mm -hmm. i think a little close to what it is but yeah these these cameras do like a great job at shooting video it's been really cool to try and get used to that and uh and man like compared to what you could do years ago it's it's astounding what you can do it's awesome so it's been cool switching over uh but see the, the thing is is like we have an a7r i think this was modern technology in 2014 if that sounds right maybe it was 13 but i think yeah it was like 2014 yeah. that this one had popped out and it's a fantastic camera. I really appreciate it. I mean, we were living here at that time. It doesn't seem like it's that far in the past, but there's been a lot of advancement even since then. And especially from Sony as an equipment manufacturer for cameras. And I think you were doing some research about that and you pulled up some, some great notes about um, like the A7R three release that was just announced. Right. It's pretty cool. We had like the A9 announced, I think earlier this year, which is also a really interesting camera option. Like it's the higher the more fully professional version of a Sony interchangeable lens camera. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what it's supposed to be. But uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff about the a7R three uh, now that, uh, that could be pretty cool. I think there's a, it's a new battery type. Did you yeah. Hear about that? Yeah. It's like I... a higher capacity battery system now. Yeah. Which is great news. Cause those batteries suck. It's really, really that's yeah. what I don't like about those cameras yeah for for as much uh, as screen time as it, as it uses with the, the it fully makes active sense back that screen. it would use so much battery yeah and for the types of files that it's writing to a to a disc mm -hmm. i mean if you if you ask like your laptop to transfer 40 gigabytes of, you know like when we shot one of those weddings and we burned through a battery it's like well we did write 32 gigabytes to a card Pretty constantly. Yeah, pretty constantly. Yeah, we wrote <laughs> video like constantly. So I guess it must take like some amount of electrons to, to want to run that to charge it. Uh, so it's amazing that it can do it, but it's, it's it's really awesome and necessary that the A7R3 gets the upgrade of having a more stable battery system. And that's really been one of the downsides of the Sony system for a long time. The other upgrade that they've been talking about was improved autofocus systems. Like it was a faster autofocus. They're, right. They're really, I don't know anything about it though, but I've been upset with the uh, the autofocus system so far um on on the a7r i think a lot of people have complained about that it's one of those weird things where i think it has like a, a gajillion autofocus points but just they're not like fast do you mm -hmm. know what i mean it's like it's just a it's like it has them but they don't like operate yeah they don't respond the way that they're supposed to all the time it doesn't seem like it i mean i suppose it was supposed to be kind of a slower autofocusing camera uh I don't really know what changes the the dynamics of what makes it like faster or slower, but man, yeah, it was definitely behind some of the competition on Canon or on Nikon of like just 
being in focus. Yeah. And, uh, and maybe that's an issue that we have with our camera. It could, it could very well be more, <laughs> more prevalent with you know, this one. Uh, but I, but I noticed like with, uh, with the a seven two that we had for a while, um, that, that seemed to like pull focus a little faster. Yeah. It seemed to like work a little yeah. bit sharper. It seemed like the, the second model. And I bet the a seven R two is probably, yeah, probably it, similarly a little bit quicker at it. I know that it was supposed to have a new autofocus system in it. It was like a 500 point autofocus system that was supposed to be just kind of across, across everything. It was supposed to be a lot better. Is mm-hmm. I guess what I understand about. <laughs> I don't know what it was supposed to be really, but now this one's supposed to be better than that one. That's what I heard. I heard it was supposed to be pretty comparable to the A9. I think that's great. I mean, I yeah, I hope I hope that it's, it's decent or acceptable. And it's really cool that it's coming out soon. I think we're we're probably likely to hear announcement of an A7 or yeah, an A7S3, an A7S3 instead of an A7R3. <laughs> yeah, we're, I think we're going to see like an upgrade to that one also sometime in this next year. Um, and maybe an A7 III as that goes too, you know, with this upgraded battery oh, system. Sure, yeah. And, um, yeah, maybe an upgraded sensor. Or, uh, or upgraded sensor options or something. But uh, but it seems like maybe they're on track to do something like that in the next year. I think they they kind of spaced their announcements out a little bit. Yeah, they're quick with it. Or they they have a lot of announcements, yeah. it seems like. Or just like through the last few years, it seems like so many things have been updated. Oh, totally. A lot of times. I totally agree, like yeah. Quicker than quicker than Canon comes out with things, quicker than Nikon comes out with it, it seems like. It seems like it's going pretty fast, though. I do remember like 2000. Mm-hmm. Like 2001, two, three, four, and five, man, it really exploded during that time. Like the, like it was just boom, 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 a camera, like every six months or something <laughs> it seemed like, you know, to get, to get that many iterations out that mm-hmm. quickly. It was like, cause they were just populating the whole, the whole market channel for the right. first time with digital cameras. So they just had, they had to make the professional one, the intermediate one, the beginner one all at the same time for the first right. time. And then again, like a year later, so they, it was just like. Like every couple of weeks, it seems yeah, like there was a new camera system coming out. Yeah, and yeah, like I mean, if you imagine like how much how much change there was between two thousand and two thousand seven or so, that was yeah. like that was a huge growth, you know, in in camera stuff during that time. It was crazy how that was, and then now like we're kind of thinking like two thousand ten to two thousand seventeen. Let's say Sony's definitely come a long way. I think in two thousand ten they were working on like the early NEX mirrorless systems, those cropped oh, crop sensor yeah. systems. Yeah. And, uh, and that was kind of the predecessor to the A6000, uh, A6500, you know, whatever they have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's out. But, uh, but yeah, it was interesting how they've kind of progressed so much and then, and then really built out um, the, uh, the interlangeable or the, the mirrorless systems. Because for a long time, in the 2000s, they had sort of a mid-range Sony line that was built by Mamiya, I think. Um. Or not Mamiya. Some other some other camera mm. manufacturer, Minolta. Oh, Minolta. Okay. Minolta made Sony DSLRs, I think, in the two thousands. The other A series, like the one yeah. that, that we gave our friends, like that was, I think, a camera that was sort of constructed by Minolta as a manufacturer, but it was sold as a Sony system and sold with sony branded glass i don't know sony was looking for a camera system but i think that these are these are now like more in-house sony systems and they're much much better you know like that's why uh like sony dslrs was never really something you heard of back about 10 years ago right and then now like the next point that you'd brought up is that sony is overtaken nikon 
as the second company in the U.S. for uh, for full frame interchangeable lens camera sales. Yeah, really interesting. I I heard another thing. There was a photo. I don't know some photo convention over in New York, and there was uh, there's like you know two big booths. It was it was traditionally Canon in a big booth, and then Nikon in a big booth. This year, not Nikon. It's Sony in that oh, spot. Man. Yeah, yeah. Sony's taken wow. over in that spot. Sony's announcing the A seven R three. I think Nikon had just had an announcement. You know, they're at the they're at the place, but they're at a different booth, or they're somewhere else, or something. And so it's interesting to kind of see that that changeover from so many people, sort of moving away from Nikon stuff and moving into some of this interesting Sony equipment that's been coming out. It's really interesting. I mean, we really noticed it. I think too, just when we were selling off our Nikon stuff, oh and yeah, getting new Sony stuff, we saw a lot of a lot of other people seemed to be doing the same thing. Oh yeah, yeah, it definitely seemed like that. And when I cruised through KEH. It really seems like Sony cameras, camera bodies are really hard to be found. You yeah. Know, they're, they're pretty, pretty hard to come by. So there's definitely Everyone's a demand right for now. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's interesting to see kind of how that, that, that shift is happening or how it's occurring. It's really interesting. I see a lot of people using, um, the, um, like the a 6,000 yeah. also, or like the, the not quite professional levels. Yeah. I see a lot of people using just Sony cameras. I think that was one of the a lot highest of levels selling of cameras of the year that it was produced. The A6000. Yeah, I think that's one of the highest. Oh, yeah, I'd believe it. That's a really good camera. For, yeah. for as cheap as it is. Yeah. That's a great camera. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is one of the, one of the best cameras that you can get started with, I think. Yeah. And, and with a lot of the things that it does, and for how simply it really gets it done. I've been way oh, impressed. Yeah, I've been working so with it. so easy to use. Yeah, I've been working with an A6000 for a few months now, just as a production camera. For work and right. it works great. It's just the base kit. It's really simple. It was way cheaper than like the fifteen hundred dollar seven D Mark II system that we were working with, and that was just body only. This was like you know lens and flash, and we were half the price or something. So uh, for for a production system like this, yeah, it just it just fit in just perfectly. It was fine. It was both crop sensor. You know, nothing different about it. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's been really interesting to kind of see uh, see some of the interesting stuff that Sony's doing. But what well, I don't know what I thought was cool about some of the Sony transition stuff. Ooh, our heaters are coming on. I hear that. At least they're coming on this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun old house with a, a boiler in the basement. And then as the heaters come on, it sounds like people are sledgehammering the pipes and the walls. Maybe, they'll, come, maybe they'll pop <laughs> the sound filter or the, <laughs> the noise gate that we've got. But uh, yeah, with some of the Sony stuff, it's been cool transitioning and kind of being part of the, the wave of, of stuff that we're learning about and being able to kind of uh, dip into some of the low light stuff that we can do, some of the video stuff that we can do. Oh, I've liked it so much. No, it's been, it's been really useful. I've learned a lot uh, just by doing that. And, you know, like before that, we were really invested in film equipment and, uh, and that was a really cool workflow. Like for the last couple of years, we've been doing 35 millimeter uh, film processing stuff or, you know, we'd have yeah. it processed and then do uh, digital adjustments to it and then. Uh, and then like I'd uh, scan it and show it and stuff. And, and that's been great. I really dug the style that we got out of that. And I want to dip back into that a little bit with like the N80. Yeah. But for like professional, uh, like commercial activity and work and stuff, I think it's great. Like moving into the Sony stuff. And I really want to invest in some glass with you. Oh man, me too. Yeah. We got to do more glass. Yeah. We need a few more lenses. Definitely, yeah. We yeah, we're we're pretty slow on it right now, but uh, but we got to figure out some nice stuff. I really want to try and pull in some nice stuff for uh, for wedding season this year. Oh man, yeah, we really need it. 
yeah, I really want to try and figure out some stuff for uh, for like the the summer, spring and summer wedding season when we get closer to that. We got to get like something two eight, some two eight Zoom. Yeah, some nice one. We need like a top end. We need one top end lens, Rita. I'm in. Yeah, We're pros. We got to be pros. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it takes a lot. <laughs> so top end glass. I've been working on a few photos, putting out a couple, and uh, it's been going okay. I don't know. Last week I tried to put out a bunch of stuff, which was, which was good. It's cool. I've been trying to go through like a bunch of the photographs that we had that were left over from our September trip. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I had a blast going on, uh, you know, like a big, uh, big trip around Eastern Oregon and then back up to Eugene and we got a bunch of photos from it, but I haven't really been able to cut through most of them, um, since we've gotten back. You know, it's really been true for me too. Yeah. I've been busy. I've been editing, uh, like other work photos like wedding photos since uh yeah. we got back from that trip so yeah i know you've been working it's really in this last couple of weeks that i've finally barely lightly started getting into that editing mixed totally into my work editing. i'm trying to do it when i'm out at work and uh yeah i'll pull up the files and i'll go through and i'll edit a couple and i'll probably i'll try and edit a couple that i'll try and post um, and that's been a good way to go through it or i'm just kind of chipping at it a little bit at a time and it's been pretty pretty useful so far but um yeah, I think the photo, what was the photo I put up today? I put up an older photo as a Facebook ad. I think I'll talk about that in a minute. What was the other one that I put up? No, I don't even remember. I think I put up a picture. Oh, I put up the picture of the Alvor at sunrise that we were talking about. And I think we put up uh, the other day on the Facebook page. Right. That was a cool one. I liked, uh, I liked uh, our time. Or, yeah, I kind of like this photo that uh, we have for the, the Billy Newman photo podcast cover. Um, out in the Alvord at sunrise. It was a cool day. I liked uh, hanging out. Or We did a bunch of stuff on the Alvord in the yeah. morning, but it was so much colder this time. It was different. It was only like a week later in the year than the, you know, the Yeah, than the other year that we, we'd gone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that was early September and I know mid-September is really almost a different season, but man, yeah, it was a bit cold that day. We had a, like a bunch of, I think it was the day we left, there was a, a lot of clouds up in the air up in the higher elevations, you can see like a lot of texture in the clouds. And then you saw that dust storm kind of blowing yeah. across. Yeah. In the center there. And it, that it's dust weird. storm is cool. It's really cool. Yeah. It's strange how, how big it is out there. You know, you look out and there's this big wall of dust blowing across, but you don't realize that that's just like miles away from you. And yeah. it goes on for miles of dust inside of that, but it's just not where you are. And it's so flat. You just see up to that, that change in weather that's up there. It was really weird seeing that. It was weird. Yeah. It was interesting driving around it and seeing, yeah. Cause your, cause your perception of like where it is and how, what the size of it actually is is really, it's difficult. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was, it's just a weird thing. You think it's closer than it is. Yeah. It's very strange. Yeah. It's cool though. It's cool driving up to it. Then you're just like, wow, this is like a whole big foggy, thick weather system, you know? It was very strange. It was, it was just really weird and kind of surreal to like see it, but it was cool out there to, to spot that. Yeah. It was interesting being out there a second time. Oh yeah. I dug it. I thought it was cool when we went to the, uh, the fields store. Oh yeah. Yeah. So last time we were out there was 2014 and then, and then there was, you know, 2015 and then 2016. And now in 2017, we went back, we went out to fields, um, and you can get like a milkshake, you can get a burger out there. You can get gas out there. I think you can get like a little motel stay out there if you want to. And it's kind of near the border um, by Nevada before you get into Denio. 
and it's the nearest thing uh, to get any resources outside of the Olive Ward. And it was cool when we went down there. I think we looked at the, there's this, this little post that they have for the years past and it shows like how many burgers they sold and then, and then like how many milkshakes they sold. And like, I think it was the, what, 2013, it was like 5,230, something like that. And it was kind of close to for the years before that. And in 2014, it was about that, the year that we went. And then the year after we went, it was like 6,200. It was like a yeah. thousand people jump or something yeah and then it was like 6500 the next year or something so you're like whoa i bumped up like so much there's a 20 percent increase in traffic through the alvord area just since the time that we started coming here yeah and it was weird you didn't see that jump in the in the period before no no it was yeah. really consistently like about that same number yeah yeah it was in like the four thousands or something like that so hamburger sales that's my metric to uh <laughs> to figure out <laughs> the traffic through the alvord area but it was interesting it was really interesting. Yeah. It was cool. I was kind of surprised. Now I think, thinking about it, I want a milkshake and I want a cheeseburger. I want this. Hmm. Sounds good. Hmm. Might have to rig something out. After after some out Mina. <laughs> I think uh, I think we might have to wrap this podcast up. <laughs> <laughs> but in a few, I think we'll do that. But but really though, really though, Mina. Need some milkshakes. Can we get a milkshake? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. <Yeah. laughs> It was fun though, going out there to fields and yeah. yeah, seeing that, but seeing kind of the, the influence of how much, how many people are out there in the Alvord now. Yeah. It seemed like there were way more campers out there on oh my the gosh. playa, just kind of doing different projects and different kind of things. Lots of photo projects out yeah, there. Yeah. That was so interesting to see. I was surprised to see that. Yeah. A couple of models with little the people assisting with little bounce cards and stuff, trying to throw some light onto them and little like breezy pieces of fabric yeah I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was cool seeing like a few other people set up out there for photo shoots yeah and yeah and a bunch of campers kind of put out you know on the on the farther perimeter it seemed like there's a, a lot of people that were kind of kind of posted up out there and it didn't seem like there was any particularly big event or something going on it just no like i think that it's just a busy more, more well traveled yeah so it's our instagram posts we gotta say yeah. It was us. It's got to be us. I'm telling you. <laughs> it must ya. have been. The I'm telling you. <laughs> it was us. Yeah, it was fun. It was so cool going out there the first time. Shoot. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a blast. But uh, it was kind of fun spotting that stuff. And going out there a second time was really cool. We we spent a couple of days out there uh, in the truck in a tent. But yeah, windier, colder. So much windier. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Our tent yeah. filled up with sand during the day. There was no yeah. way to avoid it. Yeah, we it just, just had to let it happen. Out. A little playa stuff. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, it just comes in up on the sleeping bags and stuff, just kind of <laughs> blown about. Yeah, it's a really weird thing how it comes together. That must be what Burning Man is closer to. The I've first heard. time we were in the Alvord, it was not as windy. Wow, we were yeah, we were dusty, yeah. definitely, but our stuff was much easier for me to clean the yeah. year, the year before. I remember that. Yeah, it was it was definitely easier. Way difficult this time. <laughs> It was frustrating, but it was really fun. cool. That it was cool seeing a different kind of weather system kind of moving through there, or having it be more stormy. I did like that. Yeah, heavier cloud. Yeah, cool. I missed out on having a couple good sunsets. I missed that. I was disappointed with a couple of the nights because there wasn't a sunset. It was sort of strange, almost. The it sun just sort of disappeared behind a cloud, which was behind the mountain. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just, didn't. It just went to just gray. Went to gray black. right away. Yeah, but there was, wasn't any color in the sky. It was really strange. I was thinking that. Yeah, it was partly cloudy. I, was, I thought it was broken up enough that we we get a couple of good sunsets or you know some some good textures as it was fading off. But yeah, we really missed most of it. And uh, yeah, it just definitely dropped to gray and blue pretty fast. And 
yeah, it wasn't really quite what I was looking for. But some of the textures on that last day, they were kind of interesting. They seemed a little bit more stormy. And it was cool on that drive out. I think I had a couple of those uh, posts uh, this last week on that day that we drove out on Highway 78 to go to Crane and then up into Burns. And I think we pulled over a couple of times and I took a couple of photos. But those are some others that I put up on Instagram here pretty recently. I've been trying to do a bunch on Instagram. I've been trying to do a bunch of like uh, reaching out and, and uh, direct messaging stuff. I've been trying to do like a little bit more networking stuff overall too, which has been working a bit. And I've been trying to work on my story too, like the Instagram story. Um, and I think you've been noticing a little bit, like I, I try yeah. to like, uh, put up each of the posts that I would put up in the day. I try and uh, like copy those in Instagram and then, and then post them over into the story also. And then I've also been messing around with uh, adding like your location to your story and oh. a hashtag to it, which is something you can pull up from the filters if you swipe up on the, on the thing when you're making it. And you can add a couple of those things, but that like puts it into the location. It tags it there. And I think if you do a search for stories, like there's one that was put in like Eugene and there's like a bunch of people that, that hit it throughout the day oh, just wow. because it was tagged with a location. So I'm going to try and do that more with that, some of the location stuff and use that a little bit more interestingly to try and get people to see some of those posts. That's really cool. I didn't know that was a feature. I have, I need to get into the Instagram story stuff. There's a lot you I'm can do that. Yeah. I don't really understand it well enough either, but there is a good bit of traction similar to like how Snapchat, you know, you just kind of like keep watching the video. It keeps moving. Sure. Sort of thing, and it's really visual. Um, so I like a lot of that stuff and you really get in to see what people are doing um, in sort of a, a really light way, like what Snapchat's used for now and really what Snapchat was or pardon what Instagram was like years ago back in 2010 2011 when i first got on um it was it was really uh, like a lightweight thing where you just take take a picture of anything was sort of what right. it was for yeah. you take take a picture of your food take a picture of a drink take a picture of just some silly place that you're at sort of a thing but it wasn't really a, any kind of highfalutin level of professionalism or edited posts that would go up um it was just you know a square only right yeah. and it was only the really rough filters that you could apply <laughs> from your cell phone photos uh, so yeah, I remember, I remember those days of Instagram too, and it's weird to kind of see how it's progressed a little bit, but similarly, like the stories are a really lightweight way of just kind of showing anything that you're doing or kind of expressing like the, the moments of your life and like Snapchat, everybody's kind of familiar, I guess, with the, the language of Snapchat nowadays, but it's cool. There's a lot of distribution on the Instagram stories. Like there's a, there's a good bit of people that it shows do see a lot of the, uh, the content that you put up there. So that's been kind of fun to be messing around with. And yeah, I'm trying to like take those little like snapshots. Yeah. Little, like screenshots on my phone of the Instagram app showing like the, the photo that I'm featuring on that, that day. And then, you know, I throw that in there and I put the, um, the location and a hashtag or something with it. And that's been a cool way to kind of test some stuff out. And, uh, yeah, I've been trying to mess around with that, but trying to keep that full. I think they, that I've kind of heard from marketing stuff that like you want to try and put in about six a day, which seems like oh, a lot. Sure. Yeah. It's like a lot of stuff, but yeah, like every couple hours you're trying to get like some one or two second thing up. And that's why I try and like kind of punch it up with a few of the, the photo posts as screenshots uh, so that those are like remarketed. And if I do like a podcast or something like that, I try and put up some kind of notifier in there of it. And then like a couple little posts to the photos I'm working on that day or the camera I'm using or something like that. Ooh, we should do something of uh, podcasting here. Be a uh, podcasters yeah, and stuff. yeah, it would be cool. But yeah, Rita, thanks so much for doing like a bunch more podcasting stuff. I'm so happy to be doing it. You're talking about yeah, I really like being a little in project. It's more audio stuff. I think it's really cool. Audio is going to explode in the next yeah. like year or two. Yeah, you are. It's totally really right about it. It's totally going to be like the thing of the future. 
old radio is going to be <laughs> the new future. So I think it's like really the thing that's going to be like taken off. And it's what I've been thinking about for years. Or, you know, the like audio podcasting stuff was the coolest. Yeah. You've really been on top of it. A little bit. I need to be doing more stuff with it. You know, radio is a weird thing. Like radio and like uh, and like college radio stuff's really weird. Getting into podcasting is sort of a strange thing at the beginning, but just like getting in and doing it, you know, it feels like a strange thing. I don't know if it's felt like that for you a little bit. It is uh, really difficult to adjust to. You're yeah. a really good speaker oh, to thanks, begin sweetie. with, I'd say, and I'm not. No, oh, so. you're doing very, very well. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you doing the podcast for- with me doing it with me for a few years now i should be a little bit better <laughs> you're doing a lot better and, and i remember like a couple of my first ones i was like well i don't know I'm doing it's, so hard. Ah, <laughs> it's like a muscle that you build i've heard other people mm-hmm. talk about it that way but speaking in a mic you got to do it for like a hundred hours and then it's like you're still bad but mm-hmm. you you can kind of do it a little it's a weird thing yeah i don't know but that's why i want to try to i'm still under 100 <laughs> hours right so i'm doing all those little short podcasts yeah i think it's gonna be great i think it's gonna be cool yeah. doing a show every night no it'll be a, it'll be great practice for us and in 24 months if we kind of keep doing podcast stuff like we want to yeah yeah that's really going to develop into something that i hope that we're proud of yeah I think really so. but yeah i think we started doing this billion with photo one like in 2015 that's when I first yeah. started setting up some microphones and like this laptop is an audio podcasting thing. So it's cool to have it go through a couple of different iterations and sort of develop a bit and get to use the studio more and get to develop it more. But I think it's going to be cool putting up more stuff and using like this on our website, on iTunes and on YouTube, on Facebook. Everywhere. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, I think it's really cool. Thanks for being my producer. Yeah, thanks for <laughs> training me to be a podcast producer. I'm so excited. Ooh, yeah. I want to get into uh, some sound clips with you later. Oh, yeah. Let's cut in I some sound. Some stuff. That'd be a cool idea. We should goof around with that this week. We should try and find some cool sound stuff and try and settle on some stuff. Yeah. We need Next to pick, week, this week, I don't know. Pick some sounds for our shows. Ooh, yeah. We got to get fresh sounds. I want to do more. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I want to do just a little bit, but I want to do just a little production. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm so excited about it. Yeah. I really, I mean, maybe it's really bad. I like that part. Oh, yeah. No, I do too. I love it. Yeah. Together. I like it. All the other podcasts that we hear with, you know, produ- production elements that come in that, you know, that makes it. It's great. I, I dig it. So uh, it'll be fun for us to kind of do some of the same stuff with it. Um, but I think uh, along with all the content that I've been putting up, like on Instagram, like the content that I'm putting up, we've been just now starting to mess around with boosting posts and with working with Facebook and the Facebook page system and the advertising system. And I, I think I've been learning a lot from that just in the last two weeks or so. Yeah. I think it's so cool and valuable that you've been getting into that. Oh yeah. I think it's definitely super valuable. And, and it seems like it's really effective. It's really effective. I like that. It's yeah. Cool. For the day and day, for the age that it is right now, for the attention that Facebook has, like for the population that Facebook has using it constantly, Twitter, Twitter is not the deal. Mm-mm. Facebook is. Facebook is great. Every grandma, every dad, everybody hits Facebook one time a day or a couple of times a day. Really, the data shows a lot of times a day. <laughs> and so there's just so many opportunities for an impression of your ad to be seen or for your content to get promoted to the right audience. And there's so many abilities for you to target people with the data that Facebook has. So you can really get down and find audiences that you couldn't have before. Even just friends of friends sort of a thing. That's a right. great audience for me to start with. But just being able to like uh, put your put your stuff in there and get your content promoted to your entire audience. That's a new thing. 
or not a well, it's a new thing for me, I suppose. But it's an because Facebook once allowed you to promote that much content to your entire social feed, you used to get that much a lot of engagement. But now, because of the algorithm, it kind of tailors unpaid content back a lot, right? Uh, in the feed, if it's not being shared a ton, or if it's not super interesting. And then now to get it to get it higher ranked in the feed, then you know you pay this five dollar amount and you get you know a value of that for your impressions that you you buy. That's cool. It's a good ad- advertising system for boosted posts. And uh, there's there's other stuff that I'm not really sure about that I want to try and talk to more people about to put some of those pieces together. But I'm trying to understand some of the ideas around working like a an advertising campaign. So there's boosting posts, which is just the content that you would you would post regularly into your feed. I'm trying to do that with like like portfolio level photographs that we have or or just other other fun photo content that we can put up like uh the most successful one so far was one of the first ones I did of uh of a cabin in the woods up in the Wallala Mountains. Beautiful spot, beautiful little cabin area up next to a really cool uh kind of alpine looking mountain. And uh so I get why it was kind of a, an attractive photo to be advertised, but it was interesting, yeah, like how effective it was. It was cool to kind of see how much of an audience it could get to if uh, if it was promoted a little bit. And it's interesting too, if you put a good bit of money behind even a single post, it really delivers it to a, a, a really large audience. And if that audience like appreciates what you're doing, like you do get a drawback of people interacting with the content or people liking your page. And all of that kind of eventually turns into the value of a larger brand or a larger network. And there is like a lot of value in that, that I think we could build maybe over the next 24, 36 months. Yeah. While well, it's, it's still good. It's still yeah. going to be a good deal. You know, like Google AdWords now, it's not really mm. as good as it was back in like 2000. In 2000, we should, we should do Google AdWords. But in like 2017, we should try and do a bunch in these Facebook advertisements, Facebook boosted posts. I'm really excited for it. I think it's a good way that we could build a cool part of our content media photo business. Yeah, I love it. I think it's so cool being able to, because this yeah. is something we talk about being the challenge of that, of being able to actually find and connect oh, yeah. with an audience. Yeah. And it's really cool being able to actually reach more people who would want to see our stuff. Yeah. There's, there's some math to do on it, but like paying for distribution is, is really worth it. Like, absolutely. It is cheaper if you think about it for time. Mm-hmm. Like say it would take 10 years to build an audience. That would be an equivalent size that you could make some money on. But like you would make a lot more money if you made that audience in two years yeah, and then worked that audience for eight years. Does right. that make sense? It's like some yeah. kind of like compound math of how big something is. I don't really understand it, but it, maybe that's a salesman talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like uh, it seems like the benefit of it would be now and like working faster now. And I'm really excited for it. I think it's cool. I've been trying out like a couple different ads and different promoted pieces and stuff. And uh, it's kind of interesting figuring out like what works better, where to target stuff. And uh, I got to figure out more stuff about that, but it's definitely something just to research. I wish I knew more about it intuitive or, you know, just like from the start, but there's, there's definitely some stuff that we should try. I wish I could afford it is really the thing. I want to try <laughs> and put, you know, like $50, a hundred dollars behind like each of these more impressive posts or more of the, the things that seem to like catch on better with people. Sure. Yeah, and I want to try and like put like a bunch behind it, and then try and like get a better market demographic selected, so that new people get to see some of this work, or see some of these photographs, and then uh, you know like come on or you know join or communicate. And then I also want to do some stuff like when we transition into selling more photo packages to like uh, generating leads with Facebook advertisements, 
or generating uh, like contacts. There's, there's an option to like have people like schedule a meeting with you. Oh, right. So, you know, all sorts of things of, uh, of calls to actions that you can, you can use in the, in some of these advertisement systems. So there's a lot of things that, that you could pay for that you could probably really generate some business with, which is a cool thing. Yeah. I yeah. think it's really interesting to be getting into more. Yeah. I, it's interesting to get into it for sure. And it's fun. Like as a photographer and as people trying to do media stuff, just the, the different kind of opportunities, just kind of some of the things you're learning about. It's fun. Yeah. I think it's really cool. It's weird. So you, paying oh. Facebook. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool. I think, you know, like getting advertised, it's like, it's real. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it is, it is real. I love yeah. that it works. Yeah. We got to buy some marketing stuff and, um, uh, it's been coming together. I think it's been really cool. It is cool. So you you've been doing the Facebook ads, and you've also checked out the Instagram ads a bit too. I've been trying more Instagram ads, and it's interesting with the Instagram ads. Like I, I ran the promotions. It's interesting how it's set up because Facebook owns Instagram, right. and so someone that's connected. I've been trying to do a bunch from the phone. The phone's been great, and uh, just trying to like develop more more systems for that and how it would work. But you can do promotions just from Instagram which works pretty well. If you'd like to do that, I think they start at $3 and it's probably like a $5 CPM. I think it's a cost per thousand, which is pretty similar to how it is on Facebook. Um, but what I've been doing is using like the Facebook pages app and the, the Facebook ads app that you can get for your iPhone. Yeah. And I've been trying to like manage the advertisements from those two apps um, for both Facebook and Instagram. There's a, there's an option where you can, uh, like simultaneously run this ad on Instagram that you have just from, just from your Facebook uh, sure. ads program. Yeah. And so when you're creating an ad for your Facebook page, you can click, just slide this lever over. It says simultaneously run this ad on Instagram. And I think it, you know, it kind of picks the, the market and, you know, sends it out. Yeah. And it seems like it's a pretty effective way to do it. If Instagram's information about the demographics of the person are correct. What I've noticed sometimes is that you put some money into it and it doesn't really seem quite as effective on Instagram, given the amount of attention that's on Instagram. So there's probably some tricks around advertising on Instagram. Uh, I think it maybe is like a little bit more, I don't know. I just don't really have the, the keys to it, but it seems like just because they were separate social networks, uh, it seems like Instagram maybe doesn't know as much about a person like how old um, they are or mm -hmm. like, should they see the ad that I'm promoting to them? Yeah. It seems like it gets it a little, a little wishy-washy sometimes. Facebook is Facebook really tight. Have and, all of the information. And what that means is that your cost per impression is lower. So it's more effective for mm -hmm. your money. I think is, is I think a little bit of what I've been understanding, but I'm not really sure. I'm just kind of experimenting. I've done it twice. So I'm trying to figure out some stuff around it, but it's been really cool kind of uh, getting closer to understanding, I don't know, internet advertising. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be 2020 soon. I got to figure out something. Like <laughs> so um, I've been working a lot in Lightroom stuff. I'm trying to like develop a lot of photos, like with the travel stuff that we did, the, the trip and like the trip that I did with my dad out to Christmas Valley and some of the stuff around like the teepee rings that I was photographing. I've been trying to like edit a few of those. And, uh, I've been doing like most of that in Lightroom, but I've been trying like a couple different other pieces of software. I haven't really gotten super far with it. So we got to do more research. This will be an ongoing segment for our podcast, which will be fun yeah. too. We should try out some uh, betas. I don't know what we can really get a hold of. Um, but, uh, there's Lightroom. And so like, there's some news about how like Lightroom is switched over to the Lightroom creative cloud. 
which is going to be sort of a, a, a cloud-based photo editing system. I think it's going to be a little bit more lightweight. I think it's going to you know, be a monthly subscription system. And then there's also going to be uh, Lightroom Classic, which is going to be the, the current Creative Cloud uh, professional Lightroom system. And I think that's going to be like your disk management system, like how to put files onto your computer hard drive and how to edit them and then how to like process them out and put them somewhere. Um, so that's still going to be around and I guess going on, but it's, it's only going to be subscription system from now on. And I think that's kind of pushed a lot of people, including myself to consider like what other editing options are going to be out there for, um, for like file management systems for your photographs. And there's a few new other systems that are coming up that also seem a little bit more modern in some ways too, that I think have been kind of interesting and it's been cool, uh, checking them out a little bit. One of them was, uh, capture one. And you and I had looked at that one a little bit. Yeah, you showed me that one a little bit when you put it on your computer. It's cool. I want to learn a little bit more about it. I know there's a lot of content out there about it. There's the the phase the phase one camera system. Have you heard about right. that? It's like a, a little bit medium format digital camera system. It's real expensive, real nice. Apparently, uh, I, I only know like a little bit about it. But those raw files, they're they're really immense uh, medium format digital raw files. And so to process those, they they kind of constructed their own editing software. Uh, that was this Capture One software. And I think it was supposed to be a more modern system of, of rendering your raw file adjustments. And uh, and I think it was supposed to be kind of tuned specifically to the raw files produced by by this Phase One camera, uh, which is an interesting piece of software. You know, it's really technical. And I see like a lot of professional photographers kind of not shifting over to it, but at least I see, I see it popping up a little bit more in sort of a higher end fashion system or like people that are using uh, phase one systems or a lot of Sony systems is because I think it's, it's sort of specific to the, the camera raw file that's produced. Um, it's sort of strange, right? Like the, I think it's built for the phase one camera. Right. And like for a lot so of for their file types. Yeah. For those file types and for a lot of the Sony file types. So I think a lot of like the Sony photographers are getting the capture one pro software and they make like a free Sony editing software that's a little bit stripped down. That's like the, you know, the Sony capture one express or something like that. Who knows what it is, but I pulled that on my computer. I've been messing with it. And I pulled like the demo for, uh, uh, for capture one pro. And it was cool kind of messing around with a different raw editor. It's different than Photoshop, different than Lightroom, but it's all, it's still kind of like the same like panel and slider idea. Mm -hmm. You have a panel, you have like hue and color and sharpness and haze and whatever. And you can kind of make some adjustments on it. But it was interesting doing something different with the raw processing. And I guess it's supposed to be faster, sort of the idea. Or it's supposed to be a more modern system. It's one of those things where, like, Lightroom was built years ago, like back in 2006, 2007. And, um, I guess there wasn't the ability to, to throw a lot of processing over to the graphics processor. I don't think, like, it was as important back then to use uh, your graphics processor for rendering and processing and crunching some of the some of the graphics stuff that you had to do. Sure. And so I think a lot of that you know was built to like run and process the raw files through the just the main processor. So I guess there's a lot of things about Lightroom that just are made to run really slow given the modern computer architecture that people are using or that people are developing on. And so I think that's where like there's an advantage to maybe some future new Adobe software, but also for some of these current players that are trying to do some of this photo editing software stuff like the other one um, affinity photo, which is one that I think you'd seen a little bit, right? Just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I've not put anything on my computer. 
to yeah. try out yet. I haven't put but, anything on. I know it looks like there's a lot going on there. It looks like, and I, I hear a lot of people are talking about how impressive the iPad app is. Like if you have an iPad Pro, I guess like a modern uh, iPad, the the Affinity Pro app on an iPad is really powerful for 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 tablet. Yeah, editing. for tablet. Yeah, editing. and you can do a lot of stuff like with the pencil, the Apple Pencil, or with your finger. Um, to do like healing adjustments, a lot of stuff like that that you really couldn't do with software outside of Photoshop before. So it's cool that they made like some progress on that. And I guess Affinity Photo is also producing uh, a digital file management software to go along with Affinity Photo, okay. which is really like the the Lightroom part of it, like yeah, the ingestion. I was gonna say, yeah, it kind of be like Lightroom. I think it's the Lightroom part and the part where you you can apply adjustments to multiple files at the same time. Oh, sure. Stuff like that. I think it's mm-hmm. like a lot of those features that they're trying to build out this year because of the changes that Adobe's made to the Lightroom system and how they're changing it over to like the Creative Cloud system and the, you know, kind of Lightroom Express system. Yeah, uh, not really gonna... as much of a pro tool. That's what I've heard of that's it. That's what yeah. it sounds like. It yeah. So I, like... I think that's why a lot of professionals are a little bit unhappy with that adjustment into uh, their workflow. You know, they're just looking for that, that professional system that they have to increase and get better in the ways they need yeah yeah and i think i think adobe's trying to hit a wider market of hobby photographer or instagram you know kind of it's it's more about like yeah, filters and adjustments easy. yeah yeah one click kind of adjustments yeah uh, sort of things yeah it'll be interesting to see how that ends up going yeah it will be interesting you know that that's sort of the shift in modern computers in a lot of ways and and if you were working an ipad i bet it'll be swell I bet it'll be yeah, pretty cool, sure. you know, to to run a, a bunch of photos off on an iPad through that system. It, you know, probably yeah, work it'd okay. Yeah, the cloud. It'd probably work okay. I don't think it's really the direction that I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just doesn't really seem like it's the right the right zone. That was what I was thinking. I'm hoping that uh, the change really encourages these other companies to oh yeah develop their their products more. I was, I was, yeah, I was hoping there'll be there'll be something to kind of replace what Lightroom is right now. Definitely, because yeah. I really like Lightroom. Before Lightroom, there was Aperture that was built by Apple. Sure. And then they stopped producing Aperture. I don't know what's going to really happen with Lightroom. I'm, I'm sure that it's going to stick around, and I'm sure it's really going to be like top of market share for a long time for uh, photographers editing software. It'll likely kind of remain in my workflow for a long time too. I, I, I was looking around at Capture One. It's not the thing i really want to use yeah uh, affinity there's some future you know mm-hmm. but i don't really know there's really not the thing that i'm looking to use in the way that i use lightroom right now that was what i had noticed when i was looking, looking yeah. through other photo editing software it yeah. was really like there are a lot of things that look cool and like they could be something useful yeah but it's just not really it just doesn't seem like it's there yet for yeah. the kind of editing that i'm trying to go for We'll see what pops up in the next year. And, you know, I guess the cool thing is, is like the, the given uh, version of Lightroom that I have right now is, uh, is totally fine for me. That's yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. I know. Yeah. These new I versions. I old version of Lightroom anyway. Yeah. They come out, but uh, I'm still always happy with the, uh, the older one for a long time. So I'm kind of interested. I'm really only interested in buying software that I own. I'm not interested in leasing software, even no as way. a working professional, even if I'm making money from using the software. Yeah. It's got to be a real special kind of business software license that i'm working um, but it can't yeah just be i don't want to rent software it can't be my color correction software for my photographs i need to i need to own that i need yeah, to own your that tool. database 
Yeah, it's yeah, that really kind need, of thing. Yeah. And for for as much as I'm working it, I think I need I need to have it. It's not a service. Right, yeah. It's just something that is yeah. part of your daily work. I get flow. paying for storage, paying for a website, paying for hosting, paying for processing, something like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't want to pay for the, the thing in total if it's just raw processing and color correction and you know cropping and exporting of a file. Like there's a lot of image editing systems out there. Um, and everything I can do, I can do it you know, on an older system. But I'm interested if we go forward with some new software, I'm interested in trying like like Affinity or, you know, one of these other more modern just buy outright systems. It's like, yeah, it's like a hundred dollars or something. Like there's Pixelmator Pro. That's a, a new program coming out. Yeah. And uh, that's supposed to be kind of a, a, a Photoshop level replacement for stuff. I think that's like definitely when you're like working with layers, working with, uh, you know, textures and stuff. Yeah. You, can, you can do a lot with it. Yeah. I think that I had looked at that one really briefly. And yeah, that one is more like Photoshop. Yeah. Or has more of the like Photoshop capabilities yeah. in it. Yeah. I've I heard people are really into that or like really surprised with, with the level of, of quality that they can do it and the, the speed that they're able to process that stuff. As it as like what we're talking about, it's built to work uh, on metal. Like I think a couple of these things that we've been talking about are Apple apps. And uh, I think metal is that system where it writes it writes really quickly to the graphics card. Right. Yeah. So what is that? I can't remember. The, I can't remember the names of it. These like these graphic layers, these uh, uh, graphic options that used to work. Um, but yeah, this is supposed to be like a way faster system of, of processing some of that graphic stuff. And I guess it's supposed to be a big benefit. But that's the sort of thing I want to try out with you is that. And I want to try to kind of invest in that stuff just because we would own it. We would have the license. We get to use it you know, right. for as mm-hmm. much as we'd want to. But yeah, we should try and check it out a little bit. I also, I kind of, I think it would be kind of fun to get some of these softwares and just do like little videos about it. Oh, that'd be fun. Oh, yeah. Like, just like it. trying yeah. it out, checking it out. Yeah. Like, Hey, like we're photographers. We're, yeah. We What's are... it like to work in Capture One? Yeah. And we just kind of just Let's check out these tools that are hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those that'd be great. fun. Yeah. Um, but I want to try some of these things. I want to try like, you know, tech check out and, and see if some of these other tools are, are better or are more modern or kind of make a different, more creative result. Yeah. There's a bit of that in Lightroom where you seem to kind of fall in like a, a little bit of a rut of like how Lightroom edits a photo. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know what no I mean? kidding. Yeah. yeah. I can get a little stuck in routines or just like how you kind of have to adjust it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit of that. And I'd like to see if there's some new thinking around, around that workflow that, that makes it a little bit or breaks up my creativity a little bit, makes something mm-hmm. a little different. So I think it's worth it just in the sense of that kind of investment. But, but yeah, overall, I think, I mean, gosh, you know, everything's fine still. I'm one of those people that kind of says, yeah, use the, use the old or use, I don't know, Adobe camera raw. If you have to, it's probably like most of the adjustments that you would need to do anyway. I think I'm not really big into retouching stuff, you know, but like, I think you need to like work a raw file. Yeah. And process it, color correct it, make something out of it. So yeah, I think there's a lot you can do just with about anything, but it's kind of interesting uh, just seeing like some of these new softwares come out and how they're being developed. There's another one like on one it's up in Portland. Yeah. I, I, it seems like a Lightroom competitor is sort of the idea behind it. I've not really gotten into it. I think they had like a beta come out and I was a little confused about how to use some of it, but really again, like that's the, the main thing I'm saying is all these new photo editing softwares. It's like, I'm kind of confused how to use it. I'm so grand or ingrained in using the stuff in uh, oh yeah just the lightroom in lightroom yeah yeah and it's been really cool using Lightroom, or you know it's just been like a, what i've gotten used to for a long time so i know so we're kind of making a transition but it's not bad yeah it'll be interesting 
just checking out some of these new things. Dude, yeah. I want to check out more stuff with you. Um, I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. We got to figure out some uh, new editing stuff. It'll be fun. But really, I think for a long time, I want to, I want to jump into a bunch of these raw files that we have from the last month or so. One of them is I want to try and compare presets. This is something we haven't really done much before, but I want to try and get into some presets for Lightroom stuff. Yeah. And I want to try and do a little investment into like Affinity or into Pixelmator or, you know, one of those other alternatives. And I think with Affinity, at least there's a bunch of preset systems for the, the photo editing stuff there too. And I want to try and compare them a little bit or run some of our other photos through it and see like what kind of creative results we get by like working with some of these preset packets over in Lightroom or some of the new stuff that we could do over in Affinity. It'd just be kind of cool to try and experiment a little bit with that. Yeah. yeah. I think that would be cool to get into the preset stuff a little bit. I see that as like a huge part of a lot of photographers workflow. Yeah. I think I'm curious about like what, what that is like to use. I'm yeah, I'm pretty interested too. I see tons of people on Instagram kind of promoting their preset systems. Oh yeah. Selling their preset packages. Oh yeah. A lot of that. I see a lot of those. I don't know if I'll do that so much as uh, watch a YouTube video about how one built such and such preset package. Um, Maybe. That's a little bit more what I'm interested yeah, in. Yeah, I, there's lots of stuff out there we can find that uh, could kind of be a creative start for us to find something to do. But it's interesting to see that the levels of editing that go into some of the color corrections that, that happen on these photographs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some levels of, of editing that I'm not really familiar with, really. So I guess there's a lot that I should learn about it, you know? <laughs> really? Like, that's a big part of why I'm interested in seeing other people's preset packages. Yeah. I just want to understand for, like, for presets that are for photos that I think look better. Oh yeah. Like good. Right. I'm just, I'm just interested in seeing like, what does that look like? I'm trying to figure what does that, that out. What does that look too, like yeah. when someone else is putting a photo together like that? I'm really trying to figure that out too. Yeah. What, what is the system of stuff on the side that you're looking at? What are the adjustments that are going on? Like what hue and tint stuff is being pulled around? Mm -hmm. It seems like there's a lot of stuff going on in there. Or like there's a few kind of granular changes into color correction stuff that, uh, that I'm probably not getting into in my photographs. And I bet there's a lot of stuff that could be pretty cool. Yeah. I think it would be really interesting to get into. Yeah. I want to do some reimaginations of some photographs that I have. Yeah. I've been mm. going back through really like my portfolio, I guess, and trying to yeah. reevaluate what my best photos are and also just re-edit a lot of stuff. Oh, that's a great a idea. Sharper. Yeah. But yeah, I'm trying to get into better, finer editing. See, yeah, I'd like to try and figure that out too. Yeah, I've noticed that that's like a, an element of the post-processing post -processing stuff that I really want to get into in a, in a heavier way. It's like the level of, of editing stuff that I'm able to do or just the level of choices I'm able to make when I get into something like Lightroom or Affinity in the future. So it'll be cool. I, I, we should really develop on that. It'd be cool to, yeah. to try and uh, push ourselves on that a little bit and see if we can learn some, some new tricks or yeah, something new to cool do. Yeah, I think it'd be cool to get into. Yeah, man, I like, I process probably... 200,000, 300,000 photos in the last couple of years. I just like exporting stuff in it. But so with that, I don't know what I did or, you know, there's really nothing. It's just, it's just sort of automatic or, you know, like mm -hmm. there's just a lot of things that like aren't. So I don't know. Like it's a weird thing. Like I've, uh, I've just kind of like moving through Lightroom for a long time. Yeah. I know there's a lot of stuff that you probably kind of just like auto work through. Yeah. Or I know that's how it is for me. Yeah. With a lot of pictures, and I think it's I don't spend as much time on. It's like uh, it's like when like when Tiger Woods was playing golf and like halfway through he needed to get a new coach for his swing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know anything about <laughs> golf, but yeah, yeah, get like a new coach because he was like hurting his shoulder. 
because his swing was wrong. So you need to like correct his swing, but it's one of those things where it's like muscle memory, right? It's like so ingrained of like the way you do something, how you sure. hold something. So it takes a lot to kind of break that habit of yourself, that muscle habit of yourself, and then kind of figure out a new way to do the thing that you do. Uh, so I don't know. We got we to gotta kind of break ourselves a little bit, but I want to do a bunch. Like as we get more and more into wedding photographs, I want to try and figure out some interesting stylistic things that we can do in those photographs through our uh, post-processing. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been really, cause that's what I've been doing for photo editing. Yeah. Mostly the last couple months is mm. a lot of like wedding photo stuff from work that we've been doing. Yeah. And yeah, I really want to get into more of a stylized way of doing that. I want like something to that's too. a little bit more of a, a particular kind of quality. Yeah. I really like that. Our photos are awesome. They're oh, yeah. so good, but I want to, and really, I mean, that's kind of what I like about going back to like the Sony cameras and stuff. Like, like they don't even have to be edited. They look beautiful already, but yeah, I well, want to get into making them look a little bit more like a style. Yeah. Not just that it's a really beautiful photo, but that it's like no, a I wanna, brand. I want to work with that in a good way too. I really want to be selective about our lens use. Oh my gosh. I, know. I think there's a lot that we know to do in that, that we're not really able to execute on right now for some of our projects. And that's something I really want to change, you know, where we Me get, too. we get some stuff in there that that's that, that right piece. Um, so I really want to focus on that. And yeah, I really want to focus on our, our post-processing element on top of that to really get the, the right kind of texture in the file mm -hmm. when we make it and the right kind of colors and, you know, just that the, the right photo. And then I want to try and really, do a great job in Lightroom or in our post-processing stuff to, to kind of pull that out and make it the most and make it look a little stylized, a little different and a little better. Yeah. It'll be cool. I think we've got a pretty distinct style with the, the things that we've been working on over the years. And I want to try and push that visually into uh, just some new directions. So it'll be fun. I really liked it. And I've liked doing this podcast with you, Marina. We've done uh, a pretty solid amount of time here. Thanks for being a little, uh, a little pro broadcaster. Hey, thanks hey. so much for podcasting with me. I like using our studio. Oh yeah, I'm having a great time using it. It's uh, it's better than sitting in my truck. <laughs> but a little it's more awesome. set up. Yeah, I dig it. I think it's uh, it's been having a cool podcast studio with you. Yeah, yeah. thanks so much for recording with me. Ooh, thanks so much for uh, making some podcasts, making some content. We got to come back tomorrow. Do yeah. uh, another one. Show number two. Show number two. Ooh. Well, thanks a lot, Marina, for doing uh, this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. You can find Marina. What's your Instagram handle nowadays? It is Marina Visual Arts. Marina Visual Arts. At Marina Visual Arts on Instagram. It's at Billy Newman on Instagram. For me, it's BillyNewmanPhoto.com to find this podcast and a lot of the photographs and portfolio stuff that we've been talking about today. And you can go on iTunes too. Look for Billy Newman Photo Podcast there and subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks to the one guy that is on Pocket Casts on Android that has downloaded these podcasts. Thumbs up to you, man. I appreciate it. So to everyone else that's listening to this podcast, hope you have a great day. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Bo Podcast. Broadcast? Podcast.